You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. I don't know if you've uh, read anything about St. Patrick this week, uh, the Christian world uh, celebrating this incredible saint captured by pirates as a lad and taken to to Ireland and uh, finally was able to escape and go back to England. And as he was there, uh, came to know the Lord. I think maybe he knew the Lord even before that. But in his journey and, and, and fellowship with the Lord, the Lord called him to go back and, and preach the gospel to the wild land of Druids and the Irish in Ireland. And uh, he was so filled with the Holy Spirit, the miracles, the signs and wonders that followed his ministry was just amazing. If you haven't done anything on St. Patrick, I, I highly recommend. Of course, you've got to make sure you pick out who's, who's the author that's writing about them because they're going to have a slant on their perspective. But uh, one, one of the evangelical uh, spirit-filled historians has, has really done a wonderful, wonderful job of showing us the, the wonder of St. Patrick. Yeah. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. I don't know about you, but, you know, I... As a kid, I, all I heard was that he killed all the snakes. And since I hate snakes, you know, I just really like St. Patrick. Come on, snake killers. Let's, let's kill the snakes. But he, he, did a, he was powerful. He did a lot of work and evangelized almost a whole nation uh, powerfully. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church today. We pray for Barb Irwin with the passing of her mom. We just ask, Father, for your comfort and your grace to come upon her and for her to know the true riches of the heavenly goal, the heavenly reward that her mother is enjoying. Pray, Father, that you would give her dreams and that you would speak to her in the night season and that you would just bless her heart. And I pray, Father, for Jay as he gets ready on Tuesday to have a stent put in. I pray, Father, that you would touch our brother and that you would comfort him and prepare his body for the procedure and that you would use this to bring healing, that his circulatory system would be fully operational and that all his organs would receive all the nutrients from his his blood. Let your blood flow through his blood. We lift him up to you in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, be with us this morning. All those concerns, all those things that weigh heavy upon our hearts, we lay them at the foot of the cross, and we ask, Lord, that you would move, and that you would receive, that you would hear, and that you would do for us what we can't do for ourselves, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Continuing in Philippians, going to go back up a couple verses And then introduce some new ones for us today. In chapter 3, Philippians 3, the NIV reads that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Amen? Okay. Last week as we looked at, at this, I was taken uh, with the passage of the expression that was so amazing to me about, uh, where is it at here? Yeah, that just I, I've got it committed to memory. I don't even see it. There it is. The wonders, to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And we looked at that, to know the wonders of Jesus more fully last week. Just so amazing. As I continue in the Passion, it's just uh, the, the phrases just speak to my spirit and just thrill my soul when, when I read it. So listen to the Passion of the same passage. And it begins. My Passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law, my righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his suffering and I will be one with him in his death. Then, only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit that I have not yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal, goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let us all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them and let us advance together to reach his victory prize, following one path with one passion. Have mercy. Mm. Lord, give us the ability to have hearts that can receive the truth from your word, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to embrace fully. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's his passion. 
I love the passion of Paul because I find that the Holy Spirit ignites my passion with his passion. And it's a passion for Jesus. It's a passion to know him. And he says, my passion first involves me surrendering of myself. I need to surrender all of myself, not not 50%, not 80%. I need to surrender all of myself to, to Jesus. I'm not clinging to my righteousness. I'm not looking at what I've been able to accomplish uh, on my own strength in verse 13. And he says, I forget all the past. And this goes to the beginning of the chapter where he puts out all his reason to have confidence before God because of his achievements, his accomplishments, who he was in the Jewish community and how he just poured his whole life in the studying studying of the scrolls of of the Old Testament, the the Jewish Bible. And as he did that, you know, he, he was realizing that in order to know Jesus, he had to surrender and empty himself of everything. And so he released it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He had to release it all. And I think that's, that's something for us. If, if we want to follow the passion that is talked about here in Philippians 3, we've got to come to the place where we're willing to take everything that has happened to us and just bring it to the foot of the cross and to release it. No longer claiming our, our, our conquest, no, no longer claiming our triumphs, just surrendering those. No longer as well claiming our failures but releasing our failures, releasing the places where we've come up short so that we can know him as he truly is. No longer focusing on our inadequacies and our flaws. We surrender them all to Jesus. It's always the first thing in coming to know fullness, you have to surrender. You have to allow the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, soul, body, mind, spirit, everything. Why? Well, when, when we're dealing with people and we're, we're talking about their hearts, your heart only has so much space. And if you've got your heart filled with your wounds, your defeats, uh, all the things, uh, your accomplishments, your boasts, the things that you take great pride in, and, you know, if, if, you, if you have that filling up your heart, guess who doesn't get to fill your heart? Jesus. Right on. If you want the fullness of his presence, we have to be willing to go to the place where we surrender everything at the cross. So we forget all about it. We just put it all out there. Second, we've got to be consumed with him. This is my passion, to be consumed with him. To be consumed with his righteousness. Not mine, not my performance-based do-goodism, but with his righteousness, to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. Folks, you could, you could just spend the whole year meditating on that, to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. I think one of the things that the, the enemy likes to do for us is to give us a sense of biblical ability, enough knowledge of the Bible and enough knowledge about Jesus that it kind of fills in the place of actually knowing Jesus. And so we, we don't continue to pursue in a daily way the, the wonders of who Jesus is because we think we know him. 
I've known Debbie for 45 plus 4, 49 years, and I observed her for a year before I made my move. So it's probably been 50 years that I've known, that I've known her. I haven't touched bottom, folks. There's always something in a relationship that there's more to. There's always more in the, in the discovery, in the understanding. I can predict her behavior sometimes, but then again, she's feminine, and just when you think you have her figured out, she switches up and changes her mind, and things just go a different direction. You know, Jesus, you're never going to figure him out completely. But there is a joy of passionate pursuit to experience the wonders of who he is more fully. And I just want us to to camp there and just continue to hold that and to embrace that and allow the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was given to reveal all that Jesus said and done. He's here to glorify Jesus in us and to us. I love that. To be consumed with him, his righteousness, to know the wonders of Jesus more fully, to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I don't know about you, but I want to know his power. I want to know the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that we are invited to experience and to participate in as we, as we pursue Jesus. I know depending on what stream of the body of Christ you've come out of, there's a lot of streams that just, they, they, they get nervous around the power of God. Because sometimes in our, in our zeal for the Lord and in our immaturity and all this, all of a sudden we find out about power and we experience this power. And then our whole focus is to pursue the power of God. We're just power hungry, power mongers. We're, we're going after the power, the power, the power, the power. I haven't seen very many of those lately. Have you? I haven't really seen a whole lot of that. I think the church has, has stomped out the desire for power almost to a fault. Well, to a fault. Not almost. It's like, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's something that needs to be tethered. There, there needs to be a healthy tension between knowing him for who he is, but you, as you know him for who he is, who he is is power. You will always find the power as you pursue the person of the Lord Jesus, as you pursue the person of God the Father, as you pursue the person of God the Holy Spirit, there will always be a manifestation of his presence that oftentimes is exhibited in great demonstrations of power. Great demonstrations of power. Let's not make it, we're just wanting the presence but we're also wanting the power. But the power isn't our focus. The power is a result of his presence. As we pursue his his presence, the power will come alongside. 
And as that does, walk in it. Don't be afraid of it. You know, it, it's, it's one of the craziest things in our immaturity. The first time that we experience the power of God flowing through us, I don't know what happens. There seems to be two different responses to power. It's either, oh, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy for power to flow through me. And we get all, oh, I can't believe that he used me to do that. Oh. You know what? The focus is on you when that happens. It's not upon him. Or, yeah, do you see what I did? I'm God's chosen. He really loves me. You get close enough, you know, you'll, you'll be like me. You'll, you'll be able to move in power too when you know him the way I know him. And the focus is once again back on me. Whether we go the, the, the low path or the high path, when it's a false humility, it's just as much about me as when it's the conceited arrogance of I am God's chosen, both of them bring the focus on me. But when we keep the focus on him, because that's how power flows, power flows as we pursue his presence, and then it almost just automatically follows. We want to see miracles today? Pursue his presence. We want to see the kingdom come with authority? Pursue the king. And you'll see the authority of his kingdom manifested in and around you. I love that. To me, it's a, it's a great, great reminder. I want the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. What's the purpose of that? Why is that power working in you? Well, <laughs> to be one with him. You're going to see that the theme of chapter three is oneness. The reason why we pursue him and we want to know the wonders of Jesus more fully is because we want to be union with him. We want to know him. We want to be one with him. We want to be one with him in his sufferings, which is this is really good through Lenten season. Identify with the sufferings, fellowshipping with Jesus and his sufferings. Just realize that every time you're going through a painful experience, as we continue to move toward oneness, the Lord is with you in the midst of your pain. Whatever the suffering, whatever the dynamic, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, whether you're, you're in the midst of, of going crazy between your will, wanting this and then wanting that, and it seems to be opposite ends, Jesus is always present with you uh -huh. because of oneness. He has been united with you. And the more we're aware of his union with us, the more we will have strength and peace in the midst of all the suffering. Amen. Then we're invited to, to share in the fellowship of his suffering. And that's when we suffer, as, as Peter writes in, in Peter 2, chapter 2, he, he shows us that when we bear up under unjust treatment, that there is a power, a spiritual power that's released in suffering that is sacrificial. That when we suffer and it is a sacrifice unto the Lord and we do not retaliate, 
but we entrust to the one who judges justly. We do not have to get vengeance right now because we are attached to an eternal reality. Why do we not have to get our pound of flesh right now when someone does us wrong? Because we are people who live in the future as well as the present. And for the world, this is the only moment that they have is the present. And so they are pursuing retribution. They're pursuing revenge. They are pursuing to set the record and set the score and get things current because they have no concept of the future that lies ahead. And so they have to pursue those that have offended them and make sure they make it right. But we don't. We can entrust to him who judges justly. To this we were called because Christ set an example for us that we should follow in his steps. That when he was insulted, he didn't revile back. He didn't fire back. When he was persecuted, when he was treated so poorly as we see in the Passion, getting ready here for Easter, we see that he, 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 Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And what I've come to discover as I've studied the scripture there is that it's in the midst of that surrender, it's in the midst of that sacrifice, and in the midst of embracing the unjust suffering that this world will inflict on believers, that when we do that, there is a release of supernatural power. You want to see power? Bear up under unjust suffering. You want to see someone get transformed? Bear up under the persecution. Don't respond the way the world would respond. In his sufferings and in his death, the place of of sacrificing, of laying down our life. As Paul says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live now, I live through Jesus. By faith. In Jesus. That's how I've chosen to live. And so there's a sense that we are really truly identified not only in the sufferings of Jesus, but in the death of Jesus. And that's part of the symbolism of what we do in water baptism. When we are baptizing someone and we take them under the water, we are conforming to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, buried under the water cleansed by his blood, the cleansing nature of Jesus. Why? So we can know the resurrection. When we come up out of the water, we are identifying with his life, his resurrection, his conquering of death. He has defeated death in every aspect. The result, to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. Complete oneness with him. Tell your neighbor, complete oneness with him. That's what we're pursuing. Complete oneness with him. So here he puts it all out there. He states it. He shows what his passion is. His passion is to be consumed by Christ, to be consumed by the Lord. 
to know the wonders of Jesus more fully, uh, just to continue to pursue identification with his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. So how am I doing? It's like he says, how am I doing? Well, I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing. Haven't got there yet. I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. Anybody got the absolute fullness? Mm. But I run with passion. Keyword again. My passion is to be consumed with him. My passion, even though I haven't got absolute fullness, my passion is that I'm running towards that. I run into his abundance. I love that. He runs into his abundance. Ah, so many times I run into my lack. I, I run right into my little storehouse of human Rick Francis energy, and I find that there's not much in the shed. But he runs with passion into abundance, into Christ's abundance. Why? So that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill. Here's the whole concept of calling. I got to run into his abundance Mm -hmm. if I'm going to fulfill the purpose that he's called me to. I don't know about you, but when I was 14 and got called into the ministry and began preparing for the ministry, I was trying to be prepared for my vocation and calling. I was trying to get thoroughly ready. So I was reading my Bible, I was praying, I was witnessing, I was doing all the stuff within the church. I I took my college classes. When I went to college, uh, as much as I loved math and could just stay with calculus and trig and just have a blast, I took Bible courses. So my major was Bible, so I, I knew the scriptures. I had Greek, I had two years of Greek at the undergrad level. Uh, didn't take any Hebrew yet, waited till seminary. Then I have three years of seminary, tested out of most of the classes, so now I get to pursue, and I am just getting my resume of all the stuff I know, thinking that was going to prepare me for you guys. <laughs> oh, my stars, was I ever shocked. Doesn't matter how much classical Greek I know, how much Kone, biblical Greek I know, how much Hebrew I know, doesn't matter because you guys are beyond me. To fulfill the call, the purpose of my call, I have to run into his abundance because he's the only one that can fulfill the purpose of his calling. Praise God. Because you guys are too much. (laughs) Oh, brother. But not for him. Too much for me, but not for him. I run into his abundance so that I can fulfill the call and the purpose of his call. (laughs) And then he says, (laughs) that I reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. Oh, he's so patient with me. He's been so kind with me. 
Because how many times do we think that we can fulfill the call within our own ingenuity, within our own resources? I don't care if you're called to the food pantry, if you're called to uh, teach Sunday school, if you're called to do the nursery, guess what? At some point, you're going to hit the wall and realize that you are not adequate. The best that you have might get people just a little bit, but the abundance that he has will fulfill your call. And you got to discover that. You got to discover that. You've got to discover that whatever he's called you to, you've got to run into his abundance in order to have the resources that is necessary to fulfill your call, your purpose. Oh, you say, but oh, I'm not in full time ministry. I'm just a, a believer. I just, I just love Jesus and come to church. Not. I don't care if your relationship is one of just scratching the surface of salvation or if you've been walking with the Lord for years and years and years, guess what? The adequacy of your call will only be fulfilled in running into his abundance with passion. That's why the great encouragement, when you look at at the impossible tasks that you feel like the Lord has called you to, all you have to do is take your eyes off of the mountain of impossibility and look at the mountain of his abundance and you will run right through the impossibility through his abundance. Boy, that's good preaching, dude. Keep it up. Whoa, whoa. He wants us to discover this. Number three, mm, how am I doing? Well, I've got to the place where I have one compelling focus. Paul says only one compelling focus. I forget all of the past. And as I fasten my heart to the future, I release the past. I release the past. Now, just so you don't misunderstand Paul at this point, I had a, a dear friend of mine that's a pastor. Um, he came to me while he was on a sabbatical and we started doing some counseling. And uh, you know what I do? I look to the heart. How's your heart? Let's look at your heart. Let's let the Holy Spirit show us your heart. And as he did, I knew he, he, was, he was burned out. He was hitting the wall. He thought he'd just come in for a little refreshment. We look back to the past. Paul is not saying that we don't look backwards in order to go forwards sometimes. I said, show me in your heart the place where your son John is. John was his son who committed suicide several years ago. My buddy told me, you don't know what I wanted to do right then. I wanted to punch you right in the nose. (laughs) (laughs) And as we looked to that place in his heart, he had been prophesied over He had been told by seasoned believers, other pastoral brothers, 
The Lord says, forget what's behind and press on to what's ahead. And he never grieved and he never dealt with the horror of the suicide of his son. He's writing a book right now. So when, when it gets done, we'll see if we can get copies for everybody because he, his heart just got healed and he's living. And now it's not that we forget. We remember, but now our focus is on what the Lord has called us to. And a lot that the Lord calls us to oftentimes has something to do with what he's brought us through. What he brings us through oftentimes has a direct relationship to the call that he's putting before us. And as we pursue in that, we begin to move forward and forward. So when Paul's saying, I forget which lies behind, in this context, he's, he's basically talking about all his achievements, all his accomplishments. He's talking about all the great stuff that he's done. He, he's, he's putting that in the past. He's running into the abundance of the Lord. He's forgetting everything that lies in the past. And that is a good rule. I'd say that's a general rule. I think that's a, that's a good, good thing to know. Because there's things in our past that we can get stuck and will forever live in the past. But at the same time, we have to resolve the issues and the wounds of the past if we want to move forward with health. Because what he was trying to do was to just forget and bury that. And it was coming out as a drain in his life. It was like his bucket had a huge hole in it. And so he'd get filled up with the Lord, but it would just run right out. And we want to see the Lord bring healing. And so that we can then truly press forward into the things that the Lord has called us to. Does that help anybody, I hope? I want to fasten my heart to the future instead. The conference that we just went to over More Love, More Power is the family of the future. And it's talking about being able in the Lord as we run into his abundance and as we experience the reality of Jesus and greater the wonders more profoundly, oftentimes he will show us things in the future. And in the future, the family of God is amazing. The future that lies before us We see that, we understand who we are, that we're sons and daughters of the Most High, and then we bring that revelation back and it helps us to live differently today. Let me see if I can express this. I came across this uh, devotional this week and it says, uh, your hearts will be full of joy is the title of it. He's been talking about patience and expectation. He says, whereas patience is the mother of expectation, It is expectation itself that brings new joy to our lives. Jesus not only made us look at our pains, but also beyond them. You are sad now, but I shall see you again, and your hearts will be full of joy, Jesus told his disciples. A man or woman without hope in the future cannot live creatively in the present. The paradox of expectation indeed is that those who believe in tomorrow can better live today. Uh That those who expect joy to come out of sadness can discover the beginnings of a new life in the center of the old. That those who look forward to the returning Lord can discover him already in their midst. 
<laughs> Moving toward the future. Yes. I fasten my heart to the future. That whatever my, my pain, whatever my suffering, whatever my circumstances are right now, I have a future because I have eternity inside of me. <laughs> Fourth, he says, I run straight for the divine invitation. We're all invited. Did you get your invitation? Man, my mom, if she didn't get an invitation to a party, she would not go. And if somebody meant for everybody, all their friends to come, and they sent out invitations to just a few folks from out of town, and she found out and she didn't get an invitation, she wouldn't go. She had to have an invitation. I'm not like that. If I sense there's a party, <laughs> I will invite myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal. <laughs> reaching the heavenly goal. I don't know how many times when I've read this, I've always think, yeah, I'm striving so that when I die, I'll go to heaven. Yes, the heavenly goal. And it's like, that might be 1% of that. But that's not the essence of what that means. What is the heavenly goal? What is the prize that we're pursuing? What is it that we're, we're going after? Oh, my stars. It's like, what is this? And, and I was looking at all the commentators. They don't have a clue. God bless their hearts. It's like, bless them. They, they, most of them don't even talk about it. They just jump on to the next verse. And I thought, of reaching the heavenly goal, gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. The heavenly goal is what Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The goal is to see heaven come to earth. That heaven is invading earth now. And the goal is to see when heaven has fully manifested on earth. It's not for when the rapture comes and we all get taken and we're out of here. So if we can just hold on, just brother, sister, just hold on, grit your teeth a little harder. You know, I know the devil's going to kick us, but we're going to be able to endure it. We're going to make it. We're going to get there. Just hold on. It won't be long before Jesus returns and we get out of this rotten place. His prayer on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. What is the prize what is the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus? I believe it's oneness. I believe that the victory prize that Paul is pursuing, that he stated over and over in the context of this, is the oneness of himself in Christ and Christ in him. And out of that oneness comes everything else. That's how heaven comes to earth, is through our union with Jesus then we think and we have the mind of Christ and we think the thoughts of Christ. And then we have the compassion to pursue the sheep who don't have a shepherd, that are harassed by all the evil in this world. 
We, we have the light to be able to pierce. We have the, the one who has power to come and destroy the works of the devil. All of that in oneness. So I get pretty fired up about this. I just think this is, this is great. I've, I've always thought that this victory prize was going to be my gift and trophy when I get to heaven. And nothing could be further from the truth. It's his provision for today. We are people of the future in the present. So he ends with this last quote. He says, so let all who are fully mature have the same passion. If you don't have this passion yet, just this is just a heads up. It's coming. Don't, don't beat yourself up. It's coming. It's going to come as a natural progression of your oneness and intimacy with Jesus. As you get the passion of being consumed by him, this is just an automatic result of pursuing Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, guess what? God will help them. God will continue to, to nurture them and we'll see them along. It's not like he's trying to make a case, here are the mature and over here's the immature and we don't want to associate with those immature that don't have the right desires. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, okay, if you are pursuing this and you have passion and the desires is to pursue, continue the course. If you don't, don't lose sleep. You're growing, you're developing, you will be fostering. And he gives us a little hint of what's coming down the road. He shows us how he's going to be working on our desires. He's going to be conforming them into the very desires that Jesus had. Once again, Jesus is not just an example for us. He's an example of us. And when we see his heart, we know that's the heart that he wants to have inside of us. Yes. So Lord, grip us with these desires so that we'll all advance together to reach the victory prize of oneness with you. No following one path and one passion. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you glorify Jesus in us. You bring revelation to us. You enable us to see things that we can't see any other way. And I just invite you to release the salve from heaven to earth and to anoint our eyes that we could truly see Jesus in all his wonderful, wonderful, amazing beauty. That we'd see him as he truly is. I pray that in the season that we, we think of his suffering and as we think of his crucifixion and his death, as we think of his entombment and as we think of his resurrection, I pray that it wouldn't stop there. I pray for a revelation of the ascended, glorious King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray for a revelation of the ascended Lord Jesus Christ who has come to the very right hand of God the Father 
and makes intercession for us. I pray that we would discover him even as John discovered him in the Revelation, that we would see him in all his glory, all the bright, shining, transfiguring, transformative glory, and that it would have a profound effect upon us that would change us not only today but forever. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release a grace of ruination, that we would be ruined for anything that this world would try to offer and substitute as a viable option to knowing Jesus. I pray for a pure, holy connection with you. And I thank you, Lord, that your grace and your patience, that you put hope in our heart, that not having achieved absolute fullness yet, we can still be passionate as we run, as we run into your abundance. So may we never, ever think that because we're inadequate, we'll never know fullness. But may our inadequacy cause us to run more fully into your abundance so that we'll know a fullness that is beyond what we could ever have imagined. And so, Father, seal us with your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Worship team's coming to lead us in the last song. As you're doing that, if, if you feel that the Lord is just calling you to a place of, of just connection with him, I would invite you to run into his abundance this morning, whatever that looks like. If you want to come to the front, if you want to come and kneel at the kneeling rails, feel free. If you want to just kneel at the, at the chair or if, or if you just want to sit and just pour out your heart, run into the abundance that he has for you. Because <laughs> he wants you to know his fullness. God bless you. Let's stand together and let's sing and respond and do as the Lord leads you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.